You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Oh, thank you guys for being patient with me. Man, I've missed you guys. Three weeks. That's way too long. No amens. Okay. I love y'all too. But it's been an awesome time. And if I get my words mixed up, y'all bear with me. I'm running on two hours of sleep. He, uh, he, can't, he can't figure his days and his nights. But anyway, it's, it's good. Quality time, that's what they say. But uh, anyway, um, we've been going through uh, Psalms and this series called God Honestly. And what I love about this series is, is that we hear everybody talking about how we should serve God, how we should live for God, how we should love God. But when you look in the Psalms and you look at David, he wrote majority of the Psalms. And you look at David, you look at his, his life, he lived a life that was real. I mean, you read one psalm and he's talking about how awesome God is and the next psalm you read, it's, whoa, God, what happened? Where'd you go? If I, if, if I get my prayer journal out and I start reading it, I, fe- I feel like my prayer journal is a lot like the psalms. So many times we're thinking, we, we, we have so much confidence in God and the next minute we're doubting God. Can anybody relate to that? And, and so when you look, at to the, if you look at the psalms and look at David, it's just a real genuine relationship. It shows just true, what a true relationship with God looks like. Not all the frills, not the fancy stuff that we think our relationship should look like. Not this fantasy, but it's a real true relationship. We're going to be in Psalms 142 this morning. Before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you right now for just who you are. God is... uh, Lord, as, that worship, as the worship was, was being a song, God. And Lord, there's so many of us right now that are going through trials and troubles. There's so many of us that, that life isn't what we thought it should be. But God, I pray by the end of the, night, end of the day that Lord, we will be able to say, Lord, it is well. That God, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever situation I'm in right now, God, that we have the confidence in knowing that you're big enough to help us through this. Father, help us, God. All this brokenness around us, all this disunity in our country, all this stuff going on, Lord, it, it puts us in a place that we wonder what's going on. Sometimes we doubt and we have questions, or who's in control? God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts in a powerful way this morning. God, that you would set the captives free. God, that those of us that are bound by, by just problems and, and situations and circumstances, God, I pray you would set us free today. God, don't let us leave here the same as we came in and change us, Lord, so that when we live, leave here, we're living a life of victory because of your son. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You know, we're three weeks off and not preaching. I had a lot of time on my hands. Well, not really. I had to tend to that screaming youngin. But anyway, I, we were, I was looking at the news articles, looking at stuff, and all the stuff that's happened the past couple of weeks in our, in our country, man, it just is heavy. It's heavy. To, to see the racial divide in our country, to, to see all these, all these unnecessary killings, see all this stuff, it, it just burdens me. And, and then we begin to, all this presidential stuff, it's just, whoo, that's scary. And, all, and you, you kind of wonder, what in the world's going on? Who's in control here? You kind of have a doubt of, God, what's going to happen in 2017? You know, it's depressing. It depresses me. You look at our country and it's like, God, we've fallen so far since I've been out of high school. We've fallen so far in the past five years. There's so much moral decline, not only in our country, but in the world right now. God, what's going to happen? And it can put us in a place where we're just fearful. Am I the only one that feels that way? I mean, we're like, what's, what's going on, God? What do I need to do? I mean, am I not praying hard enough? Am I not doing this good enough? God, what do I need to do? And, and it puts us in, in some turmoil. And man, this week, I just, uh, as I was reading, I love Kings and uh, First and Second Kings and First and Second, First and Second Samuel. And I was reading this week, and, and man, these verses just stuck to me. And First Kings chapter 20, verse 23 says this. Well, let me set the stage before I tell you this. There, there's a king, King Ahab. He's over the Israelites, and, and he's sitting to go to war with another king, the king of the Armenians. And when he was fixing to go to war over those other, other kings, they were fixing to go to war. So the king of the, of the Armenians, their advisor said this. 
Verse 23 says, Meanwhile, the officer of the king of Aram advised him, their gods, their gods are the gods of the hills. That's why they are too strong for us. He's talking about the Israelites. But if we fight them in the plains, if we fight them in the valley, surely we will be stronger than they. Then skip down to verse 28 to the end. It says that the, the man of God came and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says, because the Arameans think that the Lord is the God of the hills and not a God of the valley. I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. And man, that just, that just gets to me. Because man, we want to cry out to God when we're on a mountaintop. Y'all know what a mountaintop looks like, right? Mountaintops when the bills are getting paid, when we get the promotion that we want, when the test results come back negative. Man, that's the mountaintop. When all the kids are healthy, that's the mountaintop. Everything's good. And we, we can praise God. We can say, oh, God is so good in those circumstances, in those situations. But when we're in the valley, that's when it's the true test of our faith. Amen? See, I'm here to tell you today, my God is the God not only in the good times, but in the bad times. My God is the king. Not, he's the king of the mountains and of the valleys. See, so many times Satan forgets that. Satan thinks that, hey, if we can just get those people down in the valley, I can defeat them in the valley. See, in the valley is where we're discouraged. In the valley is where we're just, we're just trying to, we're in fight or flight mode. We're trying to just figure this thing out, trying to fix ourselves in the valley. How many of us, when we get in the valley, we think about God? I'll be honest with you. When I get in the valley, the first thing I think about is what's going to make me comfortable? What's going to get me out of this mess I'm in? And then when I've exhausted all those things, that's when I go to God. And we can sit there and we can worry about our country. We can worry about all this stuff. I want to tell you something. Obama, Chelsea's mama, and Trump's drama. None of that stuff's going to fix our country. <laughs> the only thing that's going to change our country is what God's word says. He said, oh, but if my people, if my people would turn from their wicked ways, would humble themselves, if my people, God's people, if we would humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, pray, then he would heal our land. He's not going to heal America until we as God's people get serious about pursuing him. Amen? I mean, how are we going to expect? I mean, the church house has got to get right before the White House is going to get right. And we can't do that. We've got to pursue God. Man, these past three weeks, God's been burning in my heart. God wants us to be a people that love him, that care about him, and that shows the world that we love Jesus Christ, but it's not going to show that when we're constantly worrying about ourselves and our own comfort. How many of us these past couple weeks went to a black brother and sister and hugged them and said, I am sorry for what's going on? How many of us have just went and somebody we disagree with hugged them and said, look, I'm sorry for what's happening, but I love you because you're my brother. I love you because you're my sister. See, God, not God, the devil wants to keep us in this place of confusion, in this place of despair, in this place where we're discouraged because if he can keep us down there, we forget who God really is. We forget what God can do. And we, if we stay in the valley so long, we forget how God delivered us from the last valley we came out of. You know, one thing, uh, me and Rick and uh, Dallas and uh, Chad, we all went to to the uh, Appalachian Trail before the babies got here. If it, this is the last time I'm gonna, we're going to be able to do this for a while. Let's go. And you know, something that taught me, we're, I mean, I'm, we were walking on this mountain. We were on this mountain, but I didn't know where I was at on the mountain until I had to cut my way out to find the right vantage point. See, some of us are looking at things in the wrong perspective. We're looking at things in our perspective, what makes us feel good instead of what God wants us to feel. And when my perspective is wrong, when it's all about me, I'm going to feel like I'm in a tunnel. I'm going to feel like I'm in a cave. I'm going to feel like I am in a valley, no matter how good the situation is, because it's all about me and not about God. But when, I was, when my perspective is focused on God and God getting the glory and God being praised, it don't matter what kind of hell I'm walking through, I can still praise God through it. Amen? Because your perspective is on God. And that's where we got to be. It's God's people. And as I thought about that, how many people know that your God is the God of the valley? How many times when you're in the roughest spot you've ever been in, you're praising God anyway? See, God's called us to be those type people. He's called us to be those type people. And as I thought about that this week, 
I mean, it's so easy for us to praise God when things are going good, but when, when we get the results to say we got cancer, when the family member that we love so much gets in an accident and they're on life support, when you've got friends and family that are on drugs and you don't think they're ever going to get off of it, when all hope is lost and there's nothing, nothing, nothing that you can physically do to fix the situation you're in, that shows how much faith you have in God. And I'm not telling you this out of place of condemnation. I'm preaching from me right now. I've been in that same spot. And sometimes you just got to preach yourself out of the valley, amen? You got to tell yourself, hey, we can get out of this. And I thought about that. Being, being a God of not only of the valley, but also of the, of the mountain. That's the kind of God David served. As I think about the life of David, he was, he was just a little, he was an ordinary man. Ordinary man. A lot like a lot of us. I can relate to David. God said, God told Samuel, he said, look, I want you to go to, to the house of Jesse and I want you to anoint one of his sons, the king, and I'll show you which one. So he goes to Jesse and he tells Jesse that he was gonna, uh, that he wanted to, to see his sons. So he brings all of them out there. All the, the good looking ones was there. The tall ones was there. The, the muscular ones were there. The, the smartest ones was there, but not David. See, his daddy didn't even think enough of him to bring him out the field. See, a lot of us don't feel like we'll matter to anything. A lot of us feel like we've been looked over our whole life. A lot of us feel just like David. I don't matter. I'm not going to amount to nothing. People look over me. People don't, they don't, they don't acknowledge me. But let me tell you something. Even though Jesse looked over David, God still saw him. Amen. God had a purpose for him. God's got a purpose for your life, no matter if your friends and your family know it or not. God's got a purpose. He had a purpose for David. And as he pulled David out, he anointed David. And from that moment on, David was, was destined to be king. See, God calls us to a calling a lot of times before we're ready to, make, to be that calling, to be a part of that calling. And we have to go through the fire. We have to go through the trial. We have to go through the trouble to form us and make us. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't been through all the mess I've been in, all the junk I was in. And none of that stuff was fun, but it formed me into the man I am right now. And, and let me tell you, it's not over yet. I know that I'm going to go through some bad times before I go meet Jesus. But you know what? It's getting me ready to meet Jesus. It's going to make me, so I'm not this self-righteous Christian to think I get owed everything. No, I'm, I'm thankful for what God's doing. Amen? So as, he, as, he was, as I think about David, David was, was, was destined to be king but he wasn't king right away. God just kept using David. David's faith was extraordinary. When he went to go, when he went to go uh, take his brother some food when they was in battle, he'd come across and he heard this giant blaspheming God. And it was the same God that had delivered David from a lion and a bear. David said, David had confidence in God. He said, look, who's this uncircumcised feelings thing talking bad about my God? They was like, David, calm down, boy. Calm down. He's like, no, nah, who, who's doing that? I'll, I'll go get him. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you ain't qualified for this. He said, look, my God, help me. Help me slew a lion and a bear. Let me tell you, if you slew a lion and a bear, you a bad joker with your bare hands. He ain't no gun. He probably got him with that slingshot. You got to be bad hit anything with a slingshot. But David said, look, let me, let me at him. I've got confidence in my God. And if he's talking bad about my God that delivered me, then let me tell you something, I'm going to stand up for my God. And he went out there and he conquered that giant that everybody else was scared of. See, there's people around you that, is, that, that, that are just all confused and they don't know what living for God is and they're waiting for you to stand up and say, I'm ready. I'm willing to stand up. I'm willing to do the hard work that nobody else is willing to do. And as David did that, King Saul saw him and he brought him into his house and he's like, I'm going to use you. God, you know, and God began to bless Saul, began to bless his kingdom. Every, every fight that David was in, he won. He was a huge asset. He ate at the king's table. Let me tell you something. Life was good for David. But then all of a sudden, the crowd started singing. Saul's killed thousands, but David killed 10,000. And jealousy got in the heart of King Saul. Jealousy has ruined many a relationship, many a friendship. But that jealousy was so consuming 
in Saul's life that he, 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 he eyed David from that moment on, is what Scripture said. He, he was out to get David from that moment on. David done all the right things. He hadn't done anything wrong. He had Saul's back everywhere he went, but yet Saul turned on him. See, we're going to have friends and family that's going to turn on us, people. We're going to have people that, that, that say they're for us, but they're really against us. How many of us has had that happen in their life? I've had it. You got people that are smiling at your face and they got a knife in, right there in their back waiting for you to turn around. And stuff like that's hard to come away from. But David was still trying to pursue God. No matter how many times Saul pursued him, every time Saul apologized, he would come back. Saul tried to kill him with a, with a spear, throwing it at him. He chased him. He didn't deserve what he got into. He didn't deserve all this ridicule. He didn't deserve all this stuff. But yet, I mean, David was famous. He had all this prestige. Everybody, I mean, there was little kids wanting his autograph and stuff, you know? He was, he was just a mighty warrior. And then in Psalm 142, we find David in a cave. After everybody had left him, he's in this cave by himself. See, a lot of us have done the right things. Some of us have done the bad, some bad things. But we have, you found yourself this morning, you're in a cave. You're in a place of despair. And a lot of us have been lying to ourselves for so long that we don't even realize we're in a cave. We don't even realize that we're in a bad spot. We've emotionally, we're emotionally bankrupt. We've, we've pushed people away for so long that we, it's, it's been, we've just been used to it. It's okay. God didn't call us to live a life separated. He called us to live a life that were were united with one another. If Satan can get you by yourself, he can conquer you. That's what they do. He says, Satan is nothing but a, a, he's like a lion. He goes to steal, kill, and destroy. Lions taken, they separate the weak ones out from the pack so so they can get them. When we separate ourselves from everybody else, we get weak. There's strength in numbers, amen? So here's David, he's at this, he's at this place in his life where he's seen God do all these extraordinary things. He's seen God do all this great stuff, but now he's by himself. He's being, he's being villainized by the whole play, community that he lived in as he was out to kill Saul, as he was out to get Saul. He was lied about. He was lied to. He, he was, I mean, he, he was in a bad spot. Everything he knew was against him. And here David, in this in this in this, this dark cave cries out to God. See, a lot of us are still in, the, still in the same darkness. A lot of us are still struggling with the same things because we've never really cried out to God. We've never really cried out to him. We haven't been so desperate for deliverance. We've just been like, you know, wanting to put a Band-Aid over it. Like, God, just help me with this problem. And then we just put a little Band-Aid over it. We don't really fix the heart of the issue. We just want to get some comfort, some relief. Let me tell you, from experience, God don't care about your comfort. He cares about your heart. And he does whatever it takes to make your heart right before him. So David is here, looking back, and when he was in this cave, and he starts out in Psalm 142, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before the Lord. I'm sorry, I pour out to him, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit groans faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one to my right and to my left. There is no one concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Who, Lord, who hadn't been there? And he says, Lord, I cry out to you. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise you. I may praise your holy name. Then the righteous will gather about me because you and of your goodness to me. Man, I'm, I'm reading this, and, and man, the first part of them are like, yeah, David, get him. Tell God. Tell him a head full. Tell him where he's at. Any of y'all ever got to that place? where You're, you're, just, you're just at a spot, and life's just pretty much is, is horrible. 
Maybe a family member has died and you don't understand. Maybe, maybe you lost a job and you didn't do anything wrong. Life is unfair sometimes. Things happen. And in those places, a lot of times, we're crying out to God out of, how dare you, God? We're mad, we're angry because of where we are and where, where we are right now is not comfortable. But instead of crying out in the heart of saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. And Lord, I am in a mess, but God, I know you can help me. See, that's where David was at. See, when he starts out in this, he says, he says I cry aloud to, the, aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice for mercy. See, just that act amongst itself, just he, he prayed, he, he cried out to God. He was saying, Lord, I believe that you can hear me. How many of you believe that God hears your prayers? How many of you believe that when you're in the middle of a trial of your life and look, all hell's breaking loose, that you know God hears you? See, we paint this picture. We've grown up with this picture of thinking that we got to pray like we do to bless him. We got to bow our heads and we got to be real quiet and we just got to say, Lord, just help me through this. And Lord, you know, it, we, we, we make this thing of, of reverence like it's... Just because he cried out to God, just because he screamed out to God didn't mean that he wasn't reverent to God. I've been in a place to where I didn't understand what was going on and I'm calling out, God, what's going on? What's happening here? My marriage was falling apart. God, what are you doing? I started following you. I gave my life to you. And now I'm facing to lose my wife. What in the world? This don't make sense. And it was just like that, by the way. God, what is going on? He's out of a heart. He don't understand. He don't know. Are you there today? Are you, there's something in your life that you don't understand why you are where you are. Life didn't turn out the way you expected it. But yet, you're in this place and it's like, God, what's going on? He's crying out. Understanding God knows my prayers. I'll tell you something. The cave, the cave is where the most sincere and the most honest prayers are delivered to God. Because when you have nothing to lose, when you've lost everything, that's when you start getting real with God. See, and that, a lot of times that's what it takes. It takes us to get to the cave. It takes us to get into a spot to where, hey, there's no way out but God. Amen? And know those things ain't comfortable. But let me tell you, I thank God for the caves in my life. I, think, I look back and I thank God for the trials that I've went through because it's shaped me and made me the man he's called me to be. And when I look at David, those same things shaped his life. He continues, he says, look, I pour out before you my complaint before him, I tell my trouble. I mean, he was acknowledging that God knew where he was. He understood that God was listening. He's pouring out his complaint, pouring out his trouble. So many times we're like, we're crying out to God saying, God, if you'll just, Lord, Lord, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll fix this, then, then I'll go to church every Sunday. Some of you are smiling because you know you've been praying that. God, God, if you, God, I, God, I promise, I promise, if you just, just give me this job, Lord, I promise I'll tithe. He ain't seen a dime of it yet. We, we go to God out of, sometimes we go to God and it's like we're trying to get a favor instead of coming to God out of absolute desperation. Saying, God, if you don't do this, I'm going to die. God, if you don't do this, I'm going to perish. Out of a complete desperate heart. And he continues, he says, look, when my spirit grows faint within me, Ooh, I like this. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. When I'm crushed, God, when I'm broken, it's you that Lord, watch over my way. That, that, goes, that tells me that God knows my heart, even sometimes when I don't even know my heart. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. You can tell everybody that, that, that you're a devout follower of Christ, but God knows your heart. He knows the sincerity of your heart. He knows the bitterness you still carry around. He knows the hatred you still carry around. He knows the gossip that you told yesterday. You hear what I'm saying? God really knows your heart. And he says, look, when my spirit is faint within me, I know it's you that watch over my way. When you're distraught, when you're crushed by, by the world, by everything that's going on around you, you can have faith in knowing that God knows right where you are. When we think we can hide and God don't know where we are, 
If I just don't, if, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't even worry about addressing the situation, it'll blow over. How many times have we said that? We try to, we try to just hide and try not, not to deal with what's going on, not try to deal with the root of the issue, but God knows the problem. And David is saying, look, God, my, my, my spirit is faint within me, Lord. This thing is, is just killing me, and I know that you look over my way. I know you know my circumstances. He said, but God, look, in the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Like, God, I'm, I'm walking, but it seems like every time I'm walking closer to you, somebody's setting a trap. Somebody's trying to do something to harm me. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way? Just because people is in your life don't mean they're here to edify your life. There's a lot of times that you got to shed some garbage in your life. You got to shed some stuff that's holding you down. And if people are setting snares, people are setting traps for you, they're constantly holding you back, then it's time to, set that, to let that go, amen? See, David's sitting there thinking about, about Saul. He's thinking about Saul, and he's thinking about Saul's daughter that Saul gave him. So look, I mean, he gave me his daughter, but yet that was just a trap to, grant, to get me closer so that he can kill me. And when I think about that, I, think, I just think about so many people that when my life was crumbling, they come running to me and they were like, Jeremy, Jeremy, just tell me how, just tell me, tell me how I can pray for you. And I was in a, in a, a sure enough, the, the roughest emotional state I had ever been in. And I was just, man, if you'd come and you'd ask me what was wrong, I would tell you everything. And I'd cry my heart out to them and Two days later, I'd hear somebody in the hall at a church or at the grocery store be like, hey, I'll be praying for Jeremy. You know, his, his, his marriage is it's crashing. But you know what? I don't know who's cheating on whom, but somebody's cheating on somebody. And that wasn't even it. And it slap crushed me. Look, I'm, 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 I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you love me. I'm trusting that you care about me, but yet all you're doing is gossiping about me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Where people that you trust abandoned you? Or people that you thought loved you more than anything, they were just there to hurt you? That's where David was at. He was in the, he was in the roughest shape of his life, the most emotional part of his life, just like, God, what is happening? He says, look, in verse four, he says, look, look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Here, a man that was once very influential and now he looks around and nobody's there. Nobody's got his back. He's lonely. Have you ever felt so lonely that you thought that if you died, nobody would even notice that you died? He's in a place of so deep depression. He, he, don't, he, don't, he don't even know what he's really saying. He's just saying, God, no one cares. There's no refuge. No one cares for my life. He's crying all this stuff out. And as I thought about that, don't you think that's how Jesus felt? Don't you think that's how Jesus felt? The same people that were crying, crying Hosanna were the same people crying crucify him. The same people that said they'd never leave him, denied him, and left him. I imagine my Lord and Savior Jesus felt the same way. But yet, David, right after, this, right after verse 4, he has an aha moment. He, he throws all his complaints to God. He's throwing everything to him. Every ounce of emotional problems he's got, he's throwing it out to God. And then at that moment, everything changed in his, in his mindset. He says, look, Lord, I cry to you, Lord. I say that you are my refuge. Now, he just said, I have no refuge. And now he's saying, Lord, you are my refuge. My portion in the land of the living. David's saying, look, there's no, I'm, I'm not being a cave right now. I might be in a valley right now. I might be in a bad spot, but let me tell you something. I know that you meet my needs. I know that the only way I'm going to get out of this is you, God. You meet my need. He crying out to God. See, there's things in our life that's only going to change unless we cry out to God. 
There's addictions that are only gonna be set free unless we cry out to God. There's diseases that's only gonna be cast out unless we cry out to God. We've got to cry out to God. Sometimes we come to God like, like this little middle school boy that's trying to ask a girl out on a date, which is kind of like, you know, God, uh, putting your foot in the sand. God, if you will, please, check yes or no if you'll answer my question, if you'll answer my prayer. Instead of coming to God and saying, Lord, I need you. God, I need this. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills unless the money shows up, God. I don't know how that I'm going to... I don't know how I'm going to save my marriage unless, God, you save my wife, you save me, God, change me. I don't know how this is going to happen. Have you ever had one of those moments? Am I by myself here this morning? I think all of us have had mountaintop experiences, and we can handle those, and man, it's awesome. But when you're in the valley, when everything's going wrong, when your family member has died, and you don't know what's going on or why, and you're upset about it, you're bitter about it, you're mad about it, how do you, how do you come out of that? How do you come out of the valley? You got to change your perspective and say, God, help me. God, change me. A lot of us are in a bad spot. Some, sometimes we're in a bad spot because God put us there. But sometimes we're there because of our own stupidity. We've made bad decisions. And don't, mean, don't, don't sit there. So many times we blame our bad decisions on Satan. We give Satan too many credit, too much credit. Oh, Satan's out to get me. No, you just made a bad decision. Satan didn't tell you that you and your wife, you made that decision. Satan didn't tell you to do this, you made a bad decision. But even when we've made a bad decision, even when we realize we've messed up, God is still God, amen? He can still deliver us out of that. But we have to cry out to him. Not like a genie in the lamp, not like I'm going, God, grant me three wishes. No, you got to come to him at a place of despair and agony saying, oh my God, help me. I know I've realized I've sinned. Change me, Lord. And that's where he's at. He says, I cry out to you. I say that you are my refuge. Man, can you say that God is your refuge this morning? You are my refuge. He's saying, God, I depend on you. You're saving me from my misery. A refuge is something that protects you. Is that, do you know God as he, as, as he is your refuge? Do you know that this morning? Do you know that? He says, look, you're my portion in the land of the living. My portion. He said, my portion, God, you make me happy. God, you make me happy. Does, does God make you happy? Some of you are like, sometimes. Does God make you happy? Man, this is real stuff this morning. I know this is kind of heavy, but I'm just here to tell you, God's got to be God, and God's got to be on the throne no matter if things are going good in your life or things are going bad. And he still is, no matter if you accept it or not. We're going through the valley. He's got to be our refuge because when nobody else has our back, God has our back. Amen? He's, he's, he's saying, God, I realize that you are my refuge. When I'm all alone, I know I got you still. When everybody's done me bad, I know I still have you, God. You are my refuge. You are my only hope. And he says, God, you are my portion. That God, you make me happy. That God, I am glad that I am a follower of you. You make me happy. When's the last time you told God, Lord, you make me happy? I'm so thankful that I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you ever told God that? Oh, I'm happy. When God is your portion and he's your refuge, you can stand up in any situation and you can be confident that God's going to see you through. Confident. See, if God is our refuge, then we shouldn't have any fear. And I know there's a lot of things we hit. There's a lot of problems we face that our first inclination, our first thing is fear. We're scared. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to go on. I remember, I remember, just because you're on the front row and I can see you, I remember when, when, when Kim got diagnosed with cancer. The first thing was fear. And she wasn't even my wife, but she was, she, she was, she was, she was a sister. She's my friend. And it's like, oh, God. And so many, so many of us think cancer is a death sentence. Oh, God, what's going to happen? Fear was just overturned with all of us. I couldn't imagine how they were feeling. 
But then at the end of that, they stood, they, they, they stood firm in the faith knowing that God was their refuge. The daughters weren't going to save them, that, that it was going to be God, that was going the only one that was going to save them from the cancer. It was going to be God. And when you stand firm in that and you follow through with that and you're pursuing God with that, let me tell you something, God is going to come through. And he did, and Kim's healed, praise God. Fear is natural, but if you let the fear overpower you, you're allowing the valley to destroy you. As he went through that, God was his refuge. God was his portion. He continues on. He says, look, listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me. You see, we come to church every week and we, we sing and we do these things, but yet how many of us are really and truly are in desperate need? I'm in desperate need this morning. I can't live this life victoriously without Jesus Christ. I can't live this life without crying out to God every single day. I'm never gonna be good enough. I'm never gonna measure up, but I got to pursue him every day. I'm in desperate need. He says, I'm in desperate need. How many of us are showing God that we are desperate need because we are desperately every single day trying to slay sin in our life? God, I know this don't please you, so God, help me with this. No, don't, our actions don't show we're in desperate need. Our actions show God a lot of times that, hey, I want you, God, when I'm on the mountain, but I'm in the valley. I'm just going to fight tooth and nail for my comfort, and I don't care what you want. The only way we make it out of the valley, the only way we make it out of the cave is we've got to be desperate Desperate in pleasing God. Does that define your life, church? You see, I look around our country. It was once called a country that was a Christian nation, and now you can't even see that we even follow Jesus Christ. But yet we say we're something that we're not. How many of us are saying that we're something that we're not? We're saying that we're a follower of Christ. We're saying that we believe in Jesus, but our life don't show it. We're not in desperate need for God. We just do what we want to do and live the way we want to live. My God is a big God. My God gave me breath. I should be in desperate need to please him, amen? And I know it's a struggle. Every one of us in this room, including myself, is selfish. We look at our own self, how what makes us feel good, instead of wanting to please God that created us. We look at the problems that we're facing. We look at the things that's happened in our life and we want to blame God for those things instead of saying, God, what can I learn from this? What do you want to show me in this? David's like, God, I'm in this bad spot. I'm in desperate need. He realized that only God was going to be the one to rescue him from that thing that was pursuing him. What's that sin in your life that you can't get rid of? What's that thing that's always there that, 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 that you just, oh, it's always nipping at your heels? Maybe it's pornography this morning. Maybe it's some kind of sexual sin that you just can't rid yourself of. It's pursuing you. God's the only one that's going to help you. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe you are mad at God for something that's happened in the past. Maybe it's that that's been chasing you for so long. Maybe today is the day that you get tired and you give up and say, God, I know that you're the only one that can help me with that. What is it? I, 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 can, name every, I can name all kinds of things and not name what's got you held up. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe, I mean, I could just, it keeps going. But let me tell you something, like I told you earlier, God knows where you are. God knows your heart. And God knows what's the roadblock between you being the man or the woman of God he's called you to be. And the question is, are you going to continue to settle for less than what God's called you to be? Or are you going to say, you know what, God, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of coming up short. I want you more than I want anything in the world. I want to please you more than I want anything in the world. God, I want you. Do you want to be that man or woman this morning? Are you tired of coming up short? I, I'm going to tell you, you get to a place where you try to fill your life with all this other junk and you always come up short. But when I finally surrendered all that junk and gave my life to Christ and started following him, he filled me with something that never runs dry. God's word says I will fill you with living water. And I've never thirsted for the things that he delivered me from again. He's the only one that can do that. So what's pursuing you? What's been pursuing you? And why don't you give it to God? The last thing he says, look, they're pursuing me for they're too strong for me. 
He says, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name, that I may, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness. See, life always has a way of paralyzing us. And if we allow our circumstances and situations to imprison us, we allow our feelings to control how we respond to God. Sabrina's not here, so therefore I can use her as a sermon illustration. <laughs> but I told her, I told her I was going to probably say this, and I don't know why this just keeps coming to me today. I don't know, I have any idea, but Man, when her daddy died, it rocked us. And it rocked her more than anything. It paralyzed her. And I thought she was saved. But it was in that moment, she was in the deepest, darkest depression she'd ever been in. She didn't even know that's what that was even called. She just knew that she was miserable. A lot of us are miserable and we're just, we're just dealing with it. I remember telling me one day that, Jeremy, I just can't seem to get out of this. I wake up every morning mad. I wake up every morning heartbroken. I'm upset. She was bitter and mad at God. And it, only, and it, and it took uh, just constant, she was, it was a constant thing. It was two years of this. And then finally God broke in and she realized that she never really knew Jesus Christ. She just was a religious person playing games with God. But when she finally surrendered, let me tell you something. From that moment on, that bitterness went away, amen? That thing that, that trapped her, that thing that imprisoned her was, was set free. And the only way that we're going to be victorious and be living the life God's called us to live unless we allow God to set us free from those things that hold us captive. What's holding you captive? God wants to use you in a powerful way. God wants you to be the man or woman he's called you to be. God wants you to, to have purpose and, and to, to feel like you matter. He wants that, but you've got to allow yourself to say, God, set me free. You've got to be desperate this morning saying, God, help me. There's no way I'm going to get out of this unless you deliver me. And it just comes to a point where you're fed up. You're fed up with just putting up. You're fed up with just being second rate. You're fed up with just just coming to church. God, there's got to be more to this thing. I know there's got to be more. And there is. But you've got to step out in faith and say, God, deliver me. God, help me. What's holding you back this morning? My man David cried out to God. He was in desperate need. And when he cried out to God, God delivered him. He said, look, he said, he said, set me free so that I can, so that the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. He said, God, I'm going to praise you. When you deliver me, I'm going to praise you. And you know, I look around a lot of times at worship service and everybody's got their hands down. We're not praising God. And I wonder, has God ever delivered you from anything? Because when God delivered you from something, you want to praise him with every ounce of being in your body saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. He wouldn't have delivered my marriage. My marriage would still, I would be divorced and miserable right now if my God hadn't stepped in. I'd still be a drug, addicted to alcohol if God hadn't stepped in. But I had to surrender that to him. I said, God, I'm tired of this controlling me. God, I give it to you right now. Men and women, God's called us to stop playing games. God's called us to stop saying we're Christians and start acting like we're Christians. God's called us to stop saying, I'm a follower of Christ and we're not showing any fruit of that. Are you hungry this morning to be a follower of Christ? Are you hungry to be the man he's called you to be, the woman he's called you to be? Are you hungry for that? Are you just been bitter and that? There's all this junk's been happening. You're just, you're just, you're just empty inside. Maybe it's time for you to just say, you know what, God, I surrender all. David did it. And God used David in a tremendous way. David was called a man after God's own heart. God called David a man after his own heart. And he messed up. But he was desperate for God to use him. He was desperate for God to change him. And that's where we've got to be.
So maybe your God has been the God of the mountain. And when you've been in the valley, you ain't worried about God. If he's not your God in the valley, then he's not your God at all. So today I wanna give you an opportunity. I wanna give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him. I wanna give you an opportunity to say, God, I've I've been bound for too long. I've been miserable for too long. God, I want, you to, I want you to change me. I want you to make me the woman or the man that you called me to be. I'm tired of being second rate, God. Change me today. Make me the man you called me to be. I'm tired of being religious. I want to be in a relationship with you. If that's you today, I just want you to boldly raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. The bitterness has got to go. The hatred has got to go. You can't change yourself unless you surrender your life to Christ. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. So you're going to tell me that you're willing to sacrifice an eternity with Jesus Christ because you're mad that somebody did you wrong that you're mad about something, that you're hurt about something, that you're willing to let that and carry that all the way to the grave. Let me tell you, we have got to be the people he's called us to be. We've got to quit playing games. We've got to say, God, take this from me. If God's not your refuge, if he's not your portion, then he's not your God. So is he? I'm gonna give you one, one more chance. And then I'm gonna open the altars up. If that's you and you say, that's me, I, I need to surrender my life to Christ today. I have been playing games for way too long. I have played the part, but my life hadn't shown it. I need to give it to him right now. Just raise your hand. We want somebody to pray with you. We want to encourage you. And we want to praise God for you. Well, praise God, that means everybody's saved. As the worship band begins to come up, when they start playing, I want you to come. I want you to do business with God. None of us are going to reach our potential until we surrender those things to Him. God used the valley to make David the man to lead Israel to victory. God can use you to be the man or woman he's called you to be, but you have to surrender to him. You have those things that are holding you back, those things that are imprisoning you, those emotions, those feelings, those sins. Maybe today you need to surrender that to him and leave them here. I went to a place this week and it was a, it was a rehabilitation center and there was 30 men there and Andrew was playing and I just happened to look around and man, all of them had their hands up and they were just praising God. And, and I got to looking, I was like, you know what? These men have something to praise God about because they realize that they're at the bottom and there's no way out but Jesus. There's no way to, to, to change this addiction but Jesus. There's no way to, to conquer this but Jesus. And when you're at the bottom, there ain't nowhere else but up. And they see what God had done in their life. They seen how God had delivered them from those addictions, from those problems, from those situations. They seen how God had moved and they were praising him. They were thanking him. So ask yourself when you stand, will you stand with me? Please stand. Do I have anything to praise God for today? And if I can't praise God, then maybe I need to go down front and leave some stuff at the altar so that I can praise him. Lord God, we just come to you right now. Lord, we surrender all to you. Lord, I pray, God, that we surrender to pride right now. The pride of wanting to know how everybody feels about us. The pride of feeling that uh, we're worried somebody's going to think different of us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would fill our minds with the desire to only please you, Lord. God, change us today. God, make us the people you've called us to be. Lord, so we can be your people. If we want to be your people, then we have to do and do your work. We have to obey you, God. We have to listen to your commands. Father, move in our hearts, Lord, so that we're so different when we leave here. 
that when we go to lunch, that people see a difference. When we go to work, people see a difference. God, help us infect our county. Help us infect the workplace. Help us just, God, infect our families with you, Lord. But God, it starts with us. Lord, purge us, Lord. I pray right now, God, you would reveal stuff to each person in this room, Lord. Reveal sin in their life that's holding them back, that they won't let go of, God. I pray that you would just reveal that to them, Lord. God, I pray that if they don't know you, if they really hadn't surrendered their life to you, God, I pray that you, their heart would beat out their chest, Lord. They just can't leave here without getting their life right with you. Father, we beg you, Lord. Lord, I'm desperate today to please you. I pray that same desperation would just overflow through all of us, God. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.